morning. Summertime in Kelowna, summertime at Willow Park Church. We want to thank you for worshipping us if you're here with us. If you're first here for the first time and maybe joining us online and you're checking us out online, we want to invite you to come and see us live and enjoy the worship and the fellowship. You'll always find me at the front of the church greeting people. So if you're new, come and uh, say hi. Like to uh, connect with you, like to welcome you. Summer's a great time to do that. Not so busy, able to have those longer conversations and Decide whether you want to get plugged into the life of Willow Park Church and so on. Well, we've had an amazing week. Of course, the Watson team, children's team, returned. And uh, great stories coming from uh, their adventures in the north. I told you last week, uh, 12 uh, children gave their lives to Christ uh, at Watson Lake, which was fantastic. A really lovely story. And as we get ready to take our offerings... Uh, often we go, well, well what, what happens um, in the life of Willow Park Church? Well, I, I, Pastor Tanya told me uh, this story that when they arrived at camp, they know all the kids in Watson Lake. If you don't know where Watson Lake, it's in the Yukon. If you're uh, somebody that don't quite know how that works, it's like driving from London to Athens. But you go straight north. So it's a long way. Yes, somebody was encouraging me this morning that I should go on the bus and I'd get a lot of reading done if I went. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but they went there and they arrived and all the kids arrived and Pastor Tanya looked around and could tell that one young man hadn't, wasn't there. He was there last year, but he got into a bit of trouble because he brought some, what shall we call it? We'll call it its name. Uh, marijuana to camp. Now, marijuana and Christian camps don't go together. Uh, so, so he got into trouble, a bit of a rebellious lad and so on, but they loved on him and, and he didn't turn up. So she managed to hitchhike a lift into town, went to the house, knocked on the door, met the mother and said, where is he? We want him to come to camp. She calls him up and says, the pastor's here, wants you to come to camp. He goes, I'll be there in 45 minutes. He came to camp and just said to Canoe, which is her camp name, Canoe, why did you do this? And she just said, you know, because we love you. Don't you realize that Jesus loves to find lost things? Lost people? If you've wandered into this church, I want to tell you some great news. You're losing things all the time. God loves to find things. He loves to find lost coins, lost pearls, lost treasures, lost sheep, lost boys, lost everything. The parables are full of God trying to find lost things. And if you've walked in feeling that you're lost, you might one day get a knock on the door. And it's not Pastor Tanya. It is Jesus himself that comes to you and says, you are lost, but I've come to find you. This week at Garden Lake, 44 young people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So, uh, brilliant. And this, as we jump into John's gospel, and we, we're now in a season where we're going to be working, I think, I think I'm here uh, most Sundays throughout the summer, I'll be teaching consistently through uh, the portions of John's gospel. And uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus' road this today towards the cross. Because in John's gospel, I want to get to those 
passages where he teaches about abiding in Christ, about the vine, about that dynamic relationship that we can have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, of course, is unique, if you don't understand this, that he achieved so much and at the age of 33, he died. Whereas if you look at this gentleman, I don't know if you know your ancient Greece, uh, who this gentleman is. This is, of course, Alexander the Great. He died at 33 as well. So two great, globally famous, known leaders died at the age of 33, having achieved so much in so many different ways. You see, he died in Babylon at the age of 33, having conquered the greatest empire on the face of the planet at that time. Jesus died in Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha at the age of 33. Of course, Alexander the Great ruled all the thrones of the known world. He ruled all the way through from Syria down to Egypt, got Egypt, went through to Iraq, went through to Iran, went through to Afghanistan and into the Indian Valley when he ruled the thrones of power. And when he was at his highest, he ruled just about most of the known world. But Jesus Christ, of course, today rules every grave in the world. He's defeated death. He's defeated darkness. He's defeated everything. You see, Alexander the Great did it for his glory, did it for his family, did it for selfish reasons, and gained it all for himself. Jesus Christ gave it all away so that he could gain us. He came as a servant. He came as one that loves us. He came to bring hope and to bring future. He, when he died, Alexander in Babylon, he died and he owned all the thrones of the world and then they were gone. When Jesus died and rose again on the third day, it is written in heaven, Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He reigns over all things. See, Alexander the Great enslaved everybody. The Jew from Galilee frees everybody. Two different kingdoms, two different ways, two different ways to live a life, to live by the way that we, we choose to live within our lives. Because whenever Jesus comes and moves, Jesus comes and moves, he brings freedom into lives. He brings hope into people's lives. He brings that freedom. He had a thrones of blood, whereas Jesus brought a throne of love that would change hearts. One was born on earth and one was born from above. Alexander the Great. Of course, finally today, one of course is dead. His body was taken because they thought if they had his body with him, I think it was taken to Egypt because one of the, the four generals and leaders of his that broke up the empire wanted to hold on to his body because they thought that his body would, would bring success, would bring amazing. I think it went to Alexandria, of course, to Egypt, who thought it would bring success. But they, the body is lost. The body is gone. But on the third day, 
the Jew from Galilee rose again victorious over Satan, sin and death. And we always have this battle taking place between two kingdoms that is taking a place. Because what Alexander uh, achieved through his brutality, he was one that would crucify thousands on the hills around Tyre. If you've ever read, read your ancient history and the great battles of Alexander, he was brutal and terrible. Whereas one man was crucified on the cross for everybody in the world. And so as Jesus moves towards the cross, and we've been on this journey, we've talked about Lazarus. We've talked about how Jesus Christ, when he was there and he saw Mary and Martha crying, he shuddered within himself. He wept. And we have what, well, I've always called the shortest verse in the Bible, and Jesus wept. Until somebody last night came up to me and said, Pastor, it's not the shorted, shortest verse in the Bible. Some clever person. I said, what is it then? There's a verse in Job that says, he said. I said, oh, <laughs> awesome. It somehow doesn't have such a, an effect as Jesus wept, does it? Get rid of that one. But the way it says Jesus was, was, was shook as he saw them talking about that deep internal earthquake of a literally of a horse in the Greek that would, would shake. And when we hear a horse, that it shakes and it, 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 um, it, it neighs. And it neighs from its very, very, within its very self, like an internal earthquake takes place as it neighs. That, that this is what Jesus Christ experienced when he saw the pain and suffering of humanity and of the grieving uh, sisters. He had an internal earthquake where he felt the pain of those sisters. And the glorious thing is that when you go, through pain and I go through pain and I go through problems, he identifies at the very core of who Jesus Christ is with our pain. We see that um, after this event, verse 12, now my soul is troubled. He's working his way towards the cross. When you stop here and look at these verses, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. When you look at this verse, in verse uh, 27, Jesus just said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will not create a harvest. And I'm going to fall into the ground and I'm going to die and there will be a great harvest. But I'm troubled. This very phrase troubled actually means that he's in internal turmoil within who he is. The turmoil is moving in his life. He's feeling the pain. He's feeling the turmoil happening within himself. He's having this inner battle. A soul 
storm literally is taking place within his heart. He's experiencing this this agony, this problem. He's moving towards the cross and he confesses, I feel this pain. Now let me point something out to you. Jesus is not troubled and experiencing turmoil because he is worried about the physical side of death. For many people have been crucified. Many people have died, if I may even say, in a worse and more painful and prolonged way than Jesus Christ. This is not what he was agonizing over. In fact, in Mark's gospel, he walks along and he falls and hits the ground in the dust and weeps and cries. And in the way that it's written, it's almost like he gets up again and he walks and he falls. He gets up again, he walks and he falls. In Luke's gospel, he says he's sweating Blood itself, sweat and blood. Why is Jesus agonizing so much about what he's going to face? Why is he saying this? My soul is in trouble. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Father, I don't want to face this hour. Father, this is so tough. Well, Galatians 3 verse 13 gives us the answer. Cursed is the one that hangs upon the tree. Jesus is not agonizing over the physical pain of death. He is agonizing over the spiritual pain of separation from the Father. He is agonizing over that all of humanity's pain, that all of humanity's darkness, that all of humanity's sinfulness, of all the curse that came into the world that brings the evil, the violence, the darkness, the poverty, the, the absolute abuse, the spirit, if you like, of Alexander the Great killing thousands, enslaving thousands, that metaphor of two different kingdoms of the curse of the fall, Jesus Christ was going to hang upon that cross to deal with the curse of humanity. That's why he's agonizing. He's the infinite Lord. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And for an infinite Lord to come into humanity, one who was once limitless, If you try to put God into a number, it's an uncountable number. You cannot do it. He is eternal. He is everlasting. He is immense. And the infinite Christ, it took the infinite Christ of God to come to deal with the deepest and darkest problems of humanity and all of our suffering, all of our pain. He was going to have poured into himself. Now we're in the summer and we're not as full as we may be normally in the autumn. But if you just look at everybody here and you think of your stories, you think of your pain, you think of your brokenness, you think of your sin, you think of your agony. And you imagine just in this room, if all of this was taken and let's say poured into me, all of your stories, and every one of us has a story that will make us weep. If I took all of your stories into myself with no offense, and I love you dearly, it would break me. It would crush me. 
But Christ took the whole of humanity's curse into himself so that you and I could be free. He traveled into the darkness. He traveled into the pain. He traveled into the separation. He traveled into the abyss. He traveled to that place so that you and I may never be cursed anymore. But we can be called children of God and we can be called blessed. And we go from a cursed people to a blessed people because Christ has saved us. And that's the message. That captivated my heart. He goes, Father, and Father, save me from this hour. No, he says. Don't you love that little exclamation, as it were? It was for this very reason I came to this hour. I've been reading a lot more in the King James recently. Um, That's not a theological statement, by the way. It's just that when I've been meditating and praying, I found the King James quite a good good to kind of to meditate on and I've got my old leather bound King James and it says in in my King James as meditated it says and and no I will go as it were unto the hour oh unto the hour it's like something from the Lord of the Rings I'm I'm gonna go Unto the hour. It's like something from, from, the, from the Tudor Wars. Let's fight for the king and the country. Unto the hour. Of course, it was written back then. So that was where the translation comes from. And this is the heart of Christ. I don't want to do this. This is impossible. But I'm going to persevere. Because I want to achieve what the Father has asked me to achieve. Because I want to redeem the whole of humanity. I want to free you. I want to give you that love. I want to give you that grace. I'm going to persevere. And in life, all of us at different times have to choose to persevere. And if anything, this story of Christ heading towards the cross on a very one level can encourage us. Is that every one of us have burdens to bear Every one of us has turmoil of the soul. Every one of us has such a difficult time. And this encourages me that when I meditate on Christ, it encourages me to persevere. To keep pushing. I've done a number of marathons. And I... I've done a number of... I've done four ultra marathons. That's a marathons that are longer than uh, 42 kilometers. I've done uh, 42 miles, 50-mile marathons through English wilderness. You have to wear torches, and you go for hours, and you go through bogs and peaks, and, and you, get, you wear lycra, and you have a little pack with things. And you, Ultra runners are quite strange. I don't know if you know this. They, they, kind of, they don't walk everywhere. They kind of shuffle in their lycra, and they have long beards, and that's just the women. It's amazing. <laughs> True, sorry. But, but, uh, and I arrived and, and we had this massive ultra. I was with a team of four. And we were going to go on this, this up. We had to climb thousands of feet up and then into the peak district moors and then fight your way through mud. And after 10 hours of this, I was utterly exhausted. And I got to somewhere in the peak district called Snake Pass. 
It's really called that. And I had 10 final miles to go. My body was broken. My hands were shaking. I was dehydrated. And when you're dehydrated, you get the hiccups. So I was hiccuping, which kind of makes it funny. And you laugh at yourself, but you can't barely walk. I arrived at this station to get a bit of food. And, and I couldn't undo my coat. And I said to the, to the uh, university girl who was, uh, the University of Sheffield put it on. I said, I can't undo my, can you zip it down? I was such a sad, horrible sight. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself? And then I looked over the road at Snake Pass, and I saw the path carrying on, and I had a choice. Does one persevere, or does one give up? And I made a decision that no matter how long it took me, I'll just put one foot in front of the other, and I will persevere. You know, that is the heart of the Christian. That our marriages are tough. Our businesses are tough. Um, our, our relationships with family is tough. Our relationship with church is tough. There are, there, there's sickness is tough. The way that, that illness affects us, it's tough. Life is dark. Life is hard. And when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, it encourages me to do one thing when I meditate upon him. It encourages me to persevere. Cross of Christ tells me not to give up at Snake Pass, but tells me to keep moving forward. And for some of you, you need to hear this this morning, not to give up, but to keep moving forward. To keep going. Why would he do all of this? Well, he was willing to pay the price so that you could gain your peace. He was willing to do this because he wanted to do one thing in life, and that is to glorify the Father. If there's one thing to do in life, my dear friends, let's just live our lives to glorify the Father. And because he loved us. He was going to fall into the void, into the abyss, into the darkness, be separated from a father who he said, Abba, Father to he was willing to do that because of his immense love for all of us. So unto the hour needs to be all of our cry. Unto the hour. I'm going to go. I came to this hour and I'm not going to back away. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said, it's thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from heaven, will draw from, from earth, I will draw all people to myself. Look at this verse. A couple of things you can notice. Two, one is not so awesome news. Now is the time for judgment on this world. As they judge Christ, they too will be judged. As they rejected Christ, judgment will come. Judgment is part of the message of Christianity. That we will be judged. That there is a judgment. 
There is a reckoning. But with this judgment, we notice that now the prince of the world will be driven out. In other words, the power of darkness, the power of evil, the power of sin and death, the power of the, of the kingdoms of Alexander the Great, one day he, the prince of darkness, is defeated through the power of the cross and Jesus Christ has the victory. And let me remind you again and again and again, Jesus Christ is Lord and he has defeated the darkness. And one day, all things will be redeemed and all things will be reconciled and all things will be made new. But Jesus has defeated and driven out the prince of darkness. And he says, when I'm lifted up, From the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Think of a story, an odd story in some respects, but a remarkable story. When you turn to Numbers chapter 21. In Numbers chapter 21, you have a story where the Israelites are moaning and groaning and being rebellious. They seem to do a lot of that in that. Always moaning, always groaning, always being rebellious. God sends some snakes into the camp, bites some of them, and they die. Some have got fever, and they're ill, and they're sick. They come to Moses, and they say, Moses, Moses, uh, the snakes are biting us. It's amazing that when you live a life of negativity, and you live a life of grumbling, and you live a life of general rebellion against everything, how you find that life seems to bite you. But the body comes and he says, Moses goes to the Lord and he seeks the Lord. And as he seeks the Lord, he says, the Lord says to Moses, okay, if you take a, basically a flagpole and put a snake, a bronze snake on top of this flagpole. And those that have the faith to look at the flagpole with the snake, they will be healed. But those that don't, they'll die. And this is a direct reference that Jesus is talking about that he is going to be lifted up. And the snake bite of the serpent of the fall, the poison in humanity, the poison that has wounded us, the poison that has bit us, that has brought the curse into the world. The only answer to break the power of the poisonous power of sin within our lives, the poisonous power of selfishness, the poisonous power that wrecks us is to stop, is to look up and to see the crucified Christ. And when you see him that is luck and on that cross and you see him, he will come and he will free you from the poison of Satan, sin and death. Now it's not surprising for those in the medical profession, you know that the symbol for health, the medical, is actually a pole with a snake. And for that reason, it's because true health, true healing, true freedom comes only by looking up in one place. And that is, and Jesus is linking himself to this story that when he is lifted up, what will he do? He will draw all men unto him. He will come. He will draw all men. 
You see, a gospel without a crucified Christ is no gospel. And if we don't look up at Jesus on the cross, we don't get salvation. As one Harvard theologian once said, he said it was okay for the ancients to believe in atonement and somebody dying for others, but we've gone past that. It is simply now to do with ethics and to do with kindness and to do with goodness. Let me tell you something. As a confused, broken teenager, what saved me was the reality that Christ forgave my sins and brought salvation into my life. That's what saved me. And he comes and takes the poison out of our lives, takes the power of the snake bite away, comes and heals us and brings that freedom. Maybe you're new to this. Let me explain it a different way. As a way of closing. The old preacher story is told. And if you hang around preachers for long enough and read all the books, you learn lovely stories. This story is about a young boy who, who dreams of building a beautiful boat. Who hasn't here dreamt of spending the time to build a beautifully little, little boat? Okay, you haven't. But I love it. I love making models as well. I've got a, a full set of a, a Saturn rocket in my house ready to be made. And one day I'll make it. I've had it for 10 years. But it's got, I don't know, 10,000 pieces or something ridiculous. But I'm excited one day I'll make it. But he made this beautiful, beautiful boat. Took it down to the lake, set the sails, let it sail. To a gust, took it away over to the other side of the lake. He wandered around searching for it, looking for it, wondering where it disappeared. I mean, he'd made it. It was his joy. For days he searched for this boat and never found it. Some while later he was in the city, walked past a shop window and in the window there was a boat there in the center for sale and it was his boat. He stood there in the reflection, looking at himself, looking at the boat, knowing that was his craftsmanship. So he pushed the door open and said, sir, that's my boat. Shopkeeper said, I paid good money for that boat. It's mine. If you want it, you have to buy it. The story is told that he goes out and he works hard, does the chores, and eventually goes back in and pays the price for the boat. See, on one level, he owned it once because he created it, then it was lost. And then he went and he purchased it. He paid the price. And that's what Christ has done for each one of us. We were made in the image of God. We were created. God has given our humanity the breath. And yet we were beautifully, magnificent, gorgeous, made in his glorious image of God. And yet we were lost. 
captured by another. But there came the Christ who came into the world and he came to pay the price. Why? To buy you back and to buy me back and to buy us back and to purchase us again so he can own us again in our lives. And if this passage finishes off, when he said to this, he said, show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up about the Messiah. Will he, he's going to live forever, ignoring scriptures like Psalm 22 and other, and Isaiah 41. And then Jesus turns and says, then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light. Don't you love John's gospel? It's just so, I love it. So full of imagery that you can meditate on and see. And he's simply saying is, I'm the light. And there's darkness. There's two ways. There's the way of Alexander the Great to build our personal kingdoms. Or there's the way of the light, which is of the Jew from Galilee. Who came to purchase you back. When I look at this whole story, this whole section... And Jesus' journey, it reminds me these things about my own life. First of all, when you feel broken, when you feel you have no energy, you feel crushed in your life, I want to encourage you to meditate on Jesus' words and Jesus' journey to the cross and identify with his pain. Because when you identify with his pain, in your journey, it will cause you to persevere. It also encourages me to understand that Jesus was willing to sacrifice everything to bring about his redemption. And I also know in my life, I've got to be willing to sacrifice things in my life. My arrogance, my selfishness, my ego, my own control because I know when I lay it down God can take hold of me and can use me it also reminds me that I was once bitten by a snake a poison that wrecked my life but when I stared at Christ who was lifted up he freed me from the poison of sin and death and he has purchased me back and he has forgiven me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray together. Maybe there is poison in your life. Maybe you know where that there are areas of poison that have affected your choices, the way that you've lived and really, you've been living in a dark, shadow life rather than living and walking in the light. Maybe again, it's time for you 
to get right with the Father and receive salvation. So for a moment, as every head's bowed, let's pray. And you may have come here this morning and you're thinking, I really want to get right with God. I want to be a Christian. I'm sorry. I've been living in the darkness. I've been living in the poison. I've been being bit by the snakes of life. My attitude has brought all this problem in my life. And I need to be different. I need to change. Well, give your life to Christ. If you're a Christian, maybe you've got a little bit of work to do to acknowledge where the poison has come back into your life. Maybe you're a Christian and you're at snake pass. And you're exhausted and you're worn out and you feel like getting in the bus and going back to the beginning to give up the race. But something in says of you says that snake pass. I'm not going to turn around. I'm going to persevere. Through that sickness, through that business, through that marriage, through that issue, I'm going to try and find a way through. This is a prayer. Lord Jesus, this morning I give my whole life to you. And I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for the way that I've lived my life. Forgive me of my sin in my life. That poison. And I choose this morning to look at you, Jesus, and ask you to forgive me and come into my life and change me. I give my life to you. I choose to follow you, Jesus, this morning.